good to be back here after being gone for the last couple weeks. Uh, like Mark said, I had the opportunity to preach at a different Acts 29 church. If you don't know me, if you've started visiting in those last couple weeks, I am Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Parker. It's good to be back. Uh, even though my family and I were new here, it's starting to feel like home. And so it was weird to be gone for a couple weeks. That's nice. Um, let's get going. Our text is Acts 20. Um, I'm lucky to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. That's a quote from Winnie the Pooh. Um, I learned the quote because a friend of ours put it on, on a sign for a going away party that they threw for us as, we, as my family and I were getting ready to leave Fort Worth, Texas, where we had been for about five years, and move across the ocean to Lisbon, Portugal, where we served for the last three years. Um, it was very appropriate for us. We had built great community in our time in Fort Worth. We had great friends. We had a great church. We had great relationships, a great small group. Um, but we were getting ready to leave all of that. We were taking our family, moving to a new place. We moved. It was hard. As we got ready to move, we felt ourselves pulling away from the community that we had. We felt others pulling away from us. As well, And so as we were getting ready to go, we were feeling this loss of community, this loss of deep relationship that we had had. And then we moved, and it was all new. We were jumping into a new culture, a new language, a new country that we got to explore and experience with the purpose of introducing these people to the gospel. We longed for the relationships that we had, that we had left behind, Um, And as those began to fade, we were seeking new relationships. We were building relationships with the people in our church, with our neighbors around us, but it was hard. We didn't speak the language, uh, especially not at the beginning. And the people that spoke English, we got to a certain point and we couldn't communicate very well together. There were cultural boundaries. And so we were just, we were longing for this relationship that we had left behind I think as image bearers of God, this, this God three in one who's eternally in relationship, it was a good desire to seek out that relationship. But it was hard and we were starting to feel lonely. Well, we kept building, we kept building relationships, kept getting to know people. But sadly, we had to leave the first church that we had joined that we had come to work with to help plant new churches. Um, We just had some difficult circumstances that led us to stepping out of that church. And then we lost more relationships. And we started, we just kept feeling lonely in this new culture. And then our teammates left. And we felt it even more. Uh, As Mark says often, if you don't already have community set up, If a need arises, it's already too late. And so that's how it was for us. We joined a new church, but they weren't expecting us to come. They didn't really know us, and they were kind and welcoming. We built some relationships there, but but it was hard to build friendships. And so we ended up deciding to leave Portugal. We're here now at Redemption Parker. We're in a new transition. And honestly, we still feel pretty lonely at times, but it's nobody's fault. We're just new. We, uh, 
We're taking steps to build those relationships, but, but it's hard and it takes time. And we're very thankful for the people who have, who have opened up their lives to us already, who have, who have welcomed us as we've come in. I wonder, just like we felt lonely as we stepped into a new culture overseas, into a new home here in Parker, I wonder if some of you feel lonely right here without ever having, having to have, leave your culture, without ever having to leave anything behind. Um, there's a study that came out in 2018 that said that Denver was the third loneliest city in the country, just behind Las Vegas and Washington, D.C. The same study showed that 50% of millennials in the study felt lonely. So with all our possibility for connection, all this technology, Skype, FaceTime, what have you, we're lonelier than ever. The third loneliest city in the country. And the results of loneliness can be tragic. The report that I mentioned starts off this way. It says, there's a growing health epidemic in the United States. It's affecting up to 40% of the country. The adverse health effects of this epidemic are on par with smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's more damaging to your body than obesity. It's associated with a shorter lifespan, cardiovascular disease, dementia, anxiety, and depression. So what is this health epidemic? It's loneliness. Loneliness has taken its toll on the people of Colorado. In 2016, it set a record with over a thousand suicide deaths, only to have it beaten in 2017 with even more people taking their own lives. Loneliness is leading people to desperation. People are lonelier than ever, and the results are devastating. So what can we as the church, as Redemption Parker, as the people of God, offer these lonely people? Our text today, I would say, will paint a picture of the hope that we have, the hope that comes through Jesus as he makes us into a new community, the hope that we have in the church. I would say that to persevere, we need the church. We need each other together. So like Mark, Pastor Mark said a few weeks ago, one of the biggest indicators of whether or not we'll be following Jesus in five years from now is our involvement in the local church. So not just for our loneliness, but for our perseverance, we need the church People are lonelier than ever. It's not just people outside the church. It's people inside the church. It's been probably the loneliest four years of my life, and I know I'm not the only one experiencing that. So let's look at our text and see the hope that Jesus has for us in this community, the church. So Mark already read it, so I'm not going to read it all over again. But it starts out with Paul landing in Miletus and sending for the Ephesian elders. And he had spent three years in Ephesus ministering, loving, teaching, caring for the people. We saw the result was that all of Asia, modern-day Turkey, got to hear 
the gospel. Now, Paul was finishing his ministry journey, and he was on his way back, and like he normally did, he stopped, he visited the churches that he had started to care for them, to build them up, to teach them, to help them with whatever struggles. And he wanted to do this, but he also wanted to get to Jerusalem in time to celebrate Pentecost with the church there. Uh, But he'd spent three years in Ephesus, So if he had stopped in Ephesus, he would have had to spend a lot of time with with these people that he cared about so deeply. He'd built relationships. They loved him. He loved them. And so he's, but he wanted to stop. So he stopped in Miletus, called for the elders of the church. At least he could see some of the people. What he gives them turns out to be a farewell speech. Most people Think of Paul as a great theologian, a great mind of the church. And he certainly is that. We see Romans, we see all of the theological teaching from the New Testament, from the the letters that he wrote to these churches. But what else we see in these letters is the love and the care that he had for the people that he was ministering to, the people in these churches, even people that he didn't know, these churches. He heard about their love for Jesus, and it grew a love for them in Paul. He loved these people. He cared for them as a pastor. He protected them, shepherded them. And so Paul prepares to finish his ministry. He teaches the elders. He cares for them. He teaches them what they need to to do to persevere, or what they need to persevere like he persevered. They need the church. They need this community. The Holy Spirit was leading Paul to Jerusalem. He was going to celebrate Pentecost there, but what did Paul say there? He says that the Holy Spirit was promising him imprisonment, trials, an unknown fate. But even knowing that, knowing what he was about to face, he was undeterred. He followed the Spirit. So Paul was coming to, as far as he knew, the end of his ministry, and maybe the end of his life. And so he's coming to give his farewell speech to the Ephesian elders. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Verses 37 and 38 continue. And there was much weeping on the part of all. This is as Paul is getting ready to leave. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The people loved Paul. Paul loved and cared for them. This is the relationship that we see Paul having with the church that we should hope to have with the people of our church. It's a good time to repeat the Winnie the Pooh quote. How lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. Paul had that. They were weeping. They loved each other. So before he leaves, he makes sure the leaders know how to persevere the way he did with them, with the church. In verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So first of all, we see here who the church is. The church is the people of God who are bought by the blood of Jesus. Let's talk about that for a minute because I think some people may have a different idea about what the church is or who the church is. But we see here from what Paul says that the church is God's people bought by his own blood. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we found ourselves on. The good news that God has made for himself a people who were once far from him. He's brought us in, made us his church through the death of his son Jesus on the cross. Paul says this beautifully. He tells the gospel beautifully in Colossians 1, 15 through 23. So let me read it. Just listen to how he says this. He says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith. So all of us, all of us apart from faith in Jesus, Jesus who is God, who came in the flesh, we were alienated, hostile, isolated, not only from God, but from each other as well. But because of Jesus' death on the cross and the life we have through his resurrection, We are reconciled to God and to each other. So more than just being reconciled, we're one body now. We're being made the body of Christ with Jesus as our head. And so this is who the church is. We are the body of Christ. Some of you may have the idea that the church is is just the event that we go to on a Sunday, or it's the building that we go to. But that's not biblical. We are. Don't go to church. We are the church. The church is the blood-bought people of God who are all being made into one body, into one family. So as followers of Jesus, we are being made into this new community. Not a building, not an event, but the people of Jesus reconciled to God and to each other. This is what we have to offer the lonely, isolated people of Parker, of Colorado. Instead of hostility, we offer reconciliation. Instead of alienation, we offer community, deep belonging. We are a body. We are a committed, redeemed family. Some of us are living like we're runaways from the family of God, like parts of the body removed from the whole, though. So we're still new here in Colorado, my family. But as 
as we've learned a little bit more about the culture around us, it seems like a lot of people are commitment averse. We don't like to be tied down. Maybe it's because we're in the West and we've bought into that Wild West, Lone Ranger, cowboy mentality. We can do it on our own. Some of you may have bought into that mentality yourselves. But you're missing out on being a part of the family of God, working as the body of Jesus because you won't commit. You may jump from church to church when it suits you. That leaves you like a hand without a body. You don't work. You're not useful. Now there is a time to leave a church. I already said we had to leave our church that we were serving in in Lisbon. But it wasn't for lack of commitment. It was with lots of prayer, lots of wisdom from leaders, lots of conversation and tears. I've been around the church long enough to know that some people will just never commit. They'll get what they want out of a church, get offended, get pushed out of their comfort zone, move on. But this is why we encourage meaningful membership here at Redemption Parker. Not just membership when you join a social club or go to an event where you can show up, consume, hang out with people that look and think just like you. We're calling you to something more. We want our members to be connected to the body. Hands, fulfilling the purpose that God has made for them. Feet, carrying the weight of the body to where God is leading us. But if you never commit, you're just always going to be a disconnected hand. We see that Paul tells the leaders in verse 28, again, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. It's the Holy Spirit, God himself, has given specific leaders to specific local churches to shepherd the people to care for them. The elders, me, we don't have authority. We don't have responsibility over the church down the road. God hasn't put them under our care. God has given us the specific members of Redemption Parker to care for. The, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. We will give an account for how we care for those who God has given us to care for. That's the specific members of the church. As you commit to joining us, to joining another local church in a meaningful way, you can know that God has given you leaders who look out for you, care for you. So Paul has given, Paul says that God has given overseers, those are that's the word we get for the, our elders, to shepherd, to care for the flock. So that's the word, the shepherd is the word we get for pastor. So ep- elders are supposed to pastor the people that God has given them. So there are two sides to the role of elder that we see here. There's care and there's protection. Care, the sheep, looks like knowing, leading, counseling, caring for, and most importantly, teaching the word of God. We base ourselves on the word of God. 
First, he says in verse, Paul says in verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. The sheep know their shepherd and the shepherd know their sheep. The people knew Paul and Paul knew them. They saw how he lived. and They followed his example. That's how our church should be. Not with elders separate, everybody together walking this out. Elders leading as example. People knowing each other, following each other, growing together as the body of Christ. Then how did, how did Paul say that he led? What was the example he gave? He said in verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. We're together in good times, in bad times, in trials and tears. Humbly serving like Jesus served. That's a leader worth committing to. That's a community worth committing to. One that knows and serves you humbly. And he goes on in verse 20. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. Paul's leadership came from how he taught the Word of God. The Word of God is central to our community, our church. We want to be a church centered on the gospel. It's our faith. It's our life. It's based on this Word of God where we learn about God's great grace for us through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, reconciled us to God, gives us new life through his resurrection and will return to complete his work of salvation in us. Whether you commit to Redemption Parker or to another local church, make sure you're committing to a church that founds itself on the gospel, on the word of God. Paul says in verse 32, he says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. As we root ourselves in the gospel, it's building us up as the family of God. It's perfecting us, completing the work in us. So then we see that elders know, care for, teach the word of God, and they lead the church. In verse 21, it says testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So elders are to lead the church together into mission. We don't do it on our own. But what does it say? It says testifying to Jews and Greeks. That's everyone. We're to reach out. Paul gives his example and leads the church in that. We follow his example. We as pastors, elders, should be leading you. We want to lead you out of this building. It's not just Sunday morning. We want to lead you outside these doors to your neighbors, into the city, into the state, into the nations. We want to lead you as we seek to multiply new believers, new groups, new churches, anywhere God would lead us. So God has given us 
the church, these leaders to know and teach and lead. He also gave us church leaders to protect us. This is the other side of the elder's rule. He says in verse 28 through 30, he says, pay careful attention to all yourselves and the flock. And then in 29 and 30, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Elders, pastors, supposed to protect the church from threats outside the church and sadly, inside the church as well. As we know each other, we need to know the voices that are influencing each other. Voices that are contrary to the gospel, leading people away just to devour them like fierce wolves. We need to know this, point each other back to the gospel. This is why we found ourselves on the word of God. This is why we commit to knowing each other, knowing God's word. We read it together. We teach each other so that we know the truth. And we can spot a wolf when they try to come in. But the even more subtle, even more dangerous threat is the one that can come from the inside of the church. So we need to watch out for what we're teaching, how we're understanding the word of God because there can be simple, simple teachings that t- pull us away from the gospel. He says, pay attention to yourselves and the flock from, because from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. A lot of people, they want the attention for themselves or they'll, they'll teach something that'll point you away from Jesus to focus on yourself more than Jesus. But it's the gospel that we guard. It's the gospel that we root ourselves in so that whether it's from outside or inside, we know when we hear something that is trying to lead us away from the truth. So God has made us one through Jesus. He made us his flock. He's given us shepherds, elders and pastors to know, to teach, to love and to care for, protect us, this community, the church. So along with being that, that flock, we're a body that works only when all its members are working together. And God has made us a family that works. We need all the members participating So as my son Luca grows older, we give him more and more responsibilities. He needs to clean up his messes. He needs to help wash dishes, all these things. We remind him constantly that he is a part of the family, and that means he has a responsibility to contribute, to participate in what the family is doing. This is what we want for you. We want you to be a meaningful part of our faith family. We want you to participate in what God is doing here. should be no Lone Ranger Christians because Jesus has made us one body, one family. We need to know others and to be known. We need each other to live out our lives as followers of Jesus. We need examples to follow. We need people to correct us in love. We need people to care for us when we're hurting We need people to serve with. We need people to go on the mission of God together with. 
None of this is meant to be done alone. There are 59 times in the Bible where it says that we are to do things for one another. It's not alone. We can't bear each other's burdens if we just exchange pleasantries on a Sunday morning. We can't teach and admonish each other with all wisdom, like it says in Colossians, if we don't know what areas we're weak in. We need people to commit to love each other, to care for each other, to know each other, serve each other. Doesn't this sound like a community being worth part of, being a part of? One that loves and cares for you? One that lovingly leads you to the truth when you're off course? A community where you're known and loved no matter what because God knows and loves us no matter what because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Doesn't this sound like a community worth committing to? Being a part of community, deep community, it's a slow process. Like I said, my family, we're new. We're still lonely at times, but we're committed. We're taking steps to get to the depth of relationship that we long for. We're here now. We're not relying on our past relationships. We're putting in the work to build new ones. We're sharing meals with people in their homes, in our homes. We're going to be part of a gospel community. We've shared our stories, our joys, and our hurts, and our struggles with people. A deep community, it's a process. But it can't start if you don't commit to taking steps to get there. Or maybe you're here and you've never heard of this kind of community. Maybe you think of the church as a building, an event. You've never thought of the church as being a blood-bought people, this body of Christ. Doesn't it sound like something worthwhile? Maybe you need to trust in Jesus, trust in his sacrifice for your sins that will reconcile you to God and to other people. Maybe you need to join the family. Maybe you're lonely. You're isolated, looking for belonging, for depth. Take a small step. Reach out. Be a part of community. Be known. Maybe you've been on the periphery, jumping from church to church without being willing to commit. Or even coming here for a while without ever really being a part. To function as the family of God, we need you. We need the gifts that God has given you. Commit to us. Commit to another local church. Just commit. So we have a few different ways that we can start getting involved. If you have been here, you've been on the periphery, maybe you want to look into the membership class. Even if you're not ready to commit right away, you can come to the class on September 15th and just learn what membership means to us at Redemption Parker. Our gospel communities are starting back this week. Gospel communities are places where we can know others and be known, to share life together, to share meals together, study God's word together, pray for each other, to be on the mission of God together. I would encourage you all to join a gospel community. The information's on our website can check it out there. Get connected to one near you. Maybe you've 
committed to Redemption Parker, but you've kind of put it in neutral. Maybe you're not acting as part of the family. Let me encourage you to get connected. Join a gospel community. Serve. Give. Be a part of this family, this faith family that you've committed to already. Maybe you're not lonely. Maybe you're really connected. Maybe you're plugged in well, serving, doing all these things. Maybe you are a fully functioning member of our body, of our family. Praise God for that. But do you have eyes to see the lonely, disconnected around you? What role could you play helping Redemption Parker be a light for the lonely, for the hurting around us, to be a welcoming church? What if our church was this light for those lonely and disconnected people that are all around us? People were known and loved regardless of where they're at. What if we were all in, committed to each other as a body of Christ, as the family of God? What if people sought out Redemption Parker as a refuge from their isolation, their alienation, where God was saving them, reconciling them to him and to each other? To that end, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you, you save us through faith, your death on the cross, that you give us new life through your resurrection. Thank you that in all that you are making us one. You're making us one body, one family. Would you grow Redemption Parker to be a place where people want to be a part of this family, where no one feels that loneliness and alienation, but we are known and loved. Help us to first of all experience your love and grace and then be able to give it to those around us. God, I pray that for those who are feeling isolated and lonely, that they would reach out, that they would take that step. I pray for those who are feeling connected, that they would have their eyes open to those around them that are hurting, that are lonely that we would love each other, that we would bear each other's burdens. Jesus, thank you that we can do this because you are in us, because you love us. You are good. We love you. Be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.